From workaholic to wellness warrior, overcoming burnout and trauma. In this touching interview, Mary Ottman shares her personal journey of how past traumas and burnout had taken a toll on her mental and physical health. She describes how she experienced imposter syndrome, anxiety, and burnout that resulted in her hair falling out and even a visit to the cardiologist. But Mary chose to heal. Through her determination and a newfound dedication to self-care, she shares how she overcame these challenges and broke free from the cycle of trauma and burnout. Her story will inspire you to take the time to heal and prioritize your well-being. If you're struggling with stress, burnout, or trauma in your life, then this video is for you. Mary's inspiring words and insights will help you learn the importance of self-love, healing, and self-care. Don't forget to leave a comment with your biggest takeaway and how you plan to implement Mary's advice in your own life. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. You're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Welcome, and let me introduce our incredible guest today. With a nuclear physicist father and a concert cellist mother, it's no wonder that Mary Ottman provides a refreshing new perspective on leadership training. With an MBA and a master's in leadership, Mary forged a successful 27-plus year career, transforming herself from software engineer to successful executive. Mary is a unique combination of a highly trained leadership expert a courageous adventurer who leapt off the top of a 108-story building and a retired associate director formally managing 150 rocket scientists. No kidding. Today, Mary is a professional speaker providing tools and strategies to help others become unstoppable, high-performance leaders. 
please help me welcome Mary Ottman. Hi, Mary. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, my pleasure. It's it's great to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show platform. So welcome, welcome. Let's start with giving the audience a little background on you. Well, so I started out with some pretty humble beginnings. Uh, I was uh, a kid living in a trailer park and somehow ended up, you know, making a career that that I'm, I'm very proud of and very blessed to have had. So, uh, yeah, you can go from the trailer park. If I can go from the trailer park to the Pentagon, you can definitely achieve your goals, too. Uh, well, that is amazing. What inspired you as a child to really push towards bigger dreams? Because you're right, coming from that, those humble beginnings, the trailer part, you know, so much, I believe, of our external environment really takes a, 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 a it has an impact on how we show up and what we can dream, what we can think. So what was it that really started inspiring you at a young age to think bigger? Well, you know, like a lot of people these days, um, I, my parents got divorced really young and it wasn't very common back then, but, but today it definitely is. So I think people can relate. And I went to live with my grandparents. And so as it turns out, my, the rest of my family wasn't too excited about their, their, you know, grandparents slash parents having small kids living with them. So, you know, we were told pretty frequently that we probably shouldn't be living there. So I felt kind of unsafe. Right. And I remember, you know, just praying every night that my grandparents would live long enough for me to live on my own. Right. So, so that was kind of a, I think a lot of people start from that place. You, you want to be successful to get away from things that happened or, or you want to prove people wrong or, you know, I'll show you and nobody's going to hold me back and I don't need anybody. I can do this by myself. And so, you know, that combined with, so my grandmother didn't fit. She got to the 10th grade. My grandfather got to the seventh grade. So they really valued education. And so, um, I got a lot of praise when I came home with A's and I got a, a lot of hell raised when I came home with B's. So, you know, that inspired me also to uh, work really hard. And actually, so my brother would come home with B's and C's. I'm like, how come he doesn't get in trouble? I get in trouble. Why don't you get in trouble? And he said, listen, I saw you get in trouble for making B's. No way I wanted to go through that. So I just made B's. And then if I got a C once in a while, they were fine. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why did I not think of this strategy? So, you know, I just started off, you know, when you're feeling safe, you become a people pleaser. And yeah. I just, they were from the depression area and you worked hard, you know, so yeah. I had that role model. So you work hard, you try to do good. And, and that's where it all started. Yeah, absolutely. And then you went into a very long career in the the military. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. So That's very structured, very, you know, high performance. Absolutely. You know, and it's very service oriented because yeah. in the army, we call the soldiers war fighters. Um, just in general, all the services call them war fighters, but they're soldiers, you know, airmen, seamen. And so anyway, mm -hmm. So you're very service oriented. You know, you when you're working, you I would think of that 18 year old in a ditch somewhere, somebody's kid, you know, that you wanted to work hard and develop systems. I was on the business side of the army. So we developed the weapon systems that they have with them to help them defend themselves. So, you know, for me, that was mm -hmm. a reason to work really hard. 
Um, it's pretty okay. funny. You know, today there's a lot of uh, ways to get into a career. You get a lot of exposure to different things and you can shadow people. So how I picked engineering, it's pretty funny. So I was going to do computer science and my best friend in high school came to me and she goes, well, I'm going to go to Tennessee Tech and I'm going to um, going to electrical engineering. And I said, well, what's electrical engineering? And she said, I don't know, but you got to be good at math and science and you make a lot of money. And I'm like, hey, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. So that's how I became an engineer. So it was all getting out of the trailer park focused. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, no, no kidding. And so you, you were very passionate about helping others and the engineer aspect and the weapons aspect. And then you started working with rocket scientists. Now, when was that? Was that, that was during your tenure in the army? Yes. Yes. So I started off, um, I worked a, a really good long time, um, at the worker level with those same people, the same rocket scientist people. Um, I was in the software side. There's like, all the, the text, I mean, I could, you don't even care about all the things, but yeah, all the people that worked on missiles and helicopters. And then I went for a while, just, I like to mix it up. So like, like the generations of today, the Gen Z and millennials, I like to mix it up. And I was lucky. I was going to work for the army two years and then leave kind of like what they talk about doing now, but I was, it was great because the army let me flex and pivot as I wanted to do different things. So um, I went from that, the software engineering, I did some Homeland Security work when the, you know, the towers went down on 9-11. And then I actually did five years, people call them drones. I went to five years to the Army drone, let me say Army drone office. We don't mm -hmm. call it that, but that's what it was. And then I ended up um, back at, at the top of the organization I started at as associate director of those 150 rocket scientists, which was, a, it's, it's, you know, I'm, you just in awe of all the uh, expertise there, just folks have worked there forever and worked on tons of systems. And, you know, it's really awesome to support the warfighter with that kind of capability. Now, okay. So you were very excited and you were around all of this, you know, these very brilliant minds, right? Was it ever, and I'll be honest, <laughs> did it ever feel like, like, unrelatable like when people are really thinking at this extraordinary level is there a dry humor like how did you fare did you do well yeah you know it's uh it's still a very male dominated dominated profession for sure and so you just you know i just i'd always had more guy friends than girlfriends so i just got in there with them you know and did did what you do, you know, I can, I can hang with the guys and you do whatever, you know? So as far as feeling like I belonged and all that, for sure. Um, I would say when you're around PhDs that have worked on deep radar projects for, you know, 30 years, you're, you're like, okay, you know, you get a little imposter syndrome going in there for sure. Um, yeah, you talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just did a TEDx talk and talked about imposter syndrome. And and between that, imposter syndrome and the workaholism and the perfectionism, it was quite the setup. Um, people talk about burnout and I burned mm. myself all the way down, you know, working on that, uh, working at that level. Just when you have a bunch of life events happening as you're all those other things come into play. It's definitely a, a petri dish for for bad burnout to happen for sure. Mm. 
Look at me well, slipping in scientific words. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Petri dishes no, and such. I think I think it's I think it's brilliant. I <laughs> and and I can relate as well. So there's no problems here. I I think that you're correct. There's a lot of imposter syndrome that happens and that burnout aspect. And you know, when we get deep down into that level and in, into that feeling and period of life where we don't know what else to do, or we know that there must be something else that needs to change because we can't keep living this way. So um, we're going to go into our first commercial. And when we get back, I I would love for you to talk about that a little bit. What, What got you to that point? And when was it that you really figured out this is it. I need to make a change. So stay tuned when we come back. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Hello, everyone. I am Kim Jacobs, the host of The Kim Jacobs Show, and you all know who's right here with me, Dr. Les Brown. How are you, Dr. Brown? I'm blessed and highly favored. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the time you want to give yourself a competitive edge. If you got a message, you have some knowledge or experience, a story, or if you want to do something adventurous and exciting with your life that can increase your credibility, expose you to millions of people, I'm encouraging you to have your own talk show. I used to have a talk show. That one talk show catapulted me to another level. Now there are more people watching the internet, as you are aware, than television. Yes. Come on, somebody. That's right. Dr. Kim Jacobs, she trained people on how to have their own talk show. She will train you how to do that. And now with me working, partnering with her, now you have the combination of an audience, expansive audience. We have over 4 million people in all of our platforms and the coaching you need to grow your business, to grow your multi-level marketing organization, to draw more attention to yourself in this noisy economy. Go ahead, Kim. So in the training that I do, Les, I actually do a six-week training. It's one hour per week. And each week I meet with the individuals one-on-one. We go through and we talk about all of the things that's necessary for a show to become a reality. We go from how to actually identify your focus area, what's going to be your ideal customer that's going to be tuning in. We'll talk about how to get guests, 
how to get sponsorship, how to go about getting your lighting, your branding and your banners and everything that you need to know. And guess what, Les? They right. own their own content at the end of the day. And that's exciting. Now, if you're ready to, to, to create a shift in your business and in your life and increase your cash flow, I want you to go to KimJacobsConsulting.com. It's right there on the screen. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you. This is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. That's my story. And that's Kim's story. And we're sticking to it. Bye for now. So Love Kim Jacobs. She was my coach and Les Brown is her coach. So, and, you know, speaking of coaches, I know Mary, you, you, you on this journey have really started to lead others. So let's go back a little bit into the beginnings of this journey that you've had. And so we talked a little bit about imposter syndrome. Could you highlight that a little bit more? What was that to you? What did that mean to you? How did it show up? Well, so, you know, we talked about my career and starting off um, as a software engineer. So it took me a while to get going into the management side because I, like a lot of uh, Gen Zers and millennials run into, mm -hmm. you get judged on, you move up after you've been there a while. And so my first um, organization, that was how promotions were based. So, I mean, I was there for, okay, let me say it out loud, 15 years. Right. And so I only worked there 20. Well, I only worked there 27. I worked there 27 years. So I, the, the big rise happened in the last 12. Right. Yeah. So when somebody took a chance on me and put me on that track to rise, I, I mean, I talk about people pleasing and workaholism. I just went after it. Right. Yeah. And so I ended up in that drone office I was telling you about and a bunch of stuff happened. First of all, I've worked on the missile side forever and everybody told me, you know, Ooh, the aviation side, the helicopter side, Ooh, they don't, they don't like missile people. They're very, they're very much their own culture, their own environment. Like you're going to go over there and they're not really, and they're not going to take you seriously, you know? And so you walk in with, with hearing that. And so mm -hmm. I'm not one to let things like that hold me back, but it is kind of in the back of your mind, right? Sure. So sure. you, you work even harder just to, to be. Well, and it's, it's a general consensus. And when, when there's a general consensus, it's a little harder to battle that, right. Or to rise above it, so to speak. Yeah. When you're told it's the culture and everybody thinks that way, yeah. you're like, okay, well then I just got to come in. You know, I'm not going to fit in. They're not going to think I know anything. That's the imposter syndrome. Right. So I'm, I'm lucky to be here. I got some, some, 
you know, breaks. Those people took a chance on me. Like I was telling you, you don't feel like it's worth your efforts or due mm -hmm. to your efforts. That is the definition of imposter syndrome. Right. So, mm -hmm. so there I am now on the aviation side and, um, I'm working for a brilliant lady who basically came up where I'm working on the system with her. I was the deputy director and she had come up with the concept for this system on the back of a napkin. Like she was brilliant. And now we were going and briefing at the Pentagon and, you know, I'm just her wing woman. I'm just there on the side, you know, taking it all in and learning about the system. And then a bunch of things happened at once. Um, so she, uh, you know, I had, she, she developed cancer. And so she was out of the office for six months and they didn't backfill mm -hmm. her position. So now I was doing her job and my job, mm -hmm. which was a lot because we went to the Pentagon all the time. Boy, and gee, we, isn't that how we learn the best though, when we're thrown into something in the mix of it, right? Yeah. Oh Pinkers man. <laughs> you start off being unsure. And by the end of it, you're like, I just did that thing. That was pretty awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's, kind of one way to get through imposter syndrome is just keep moving through it, you know, and then, yeah. you know, you build up these wins. I call them micro wins. That was kind of a major win, but micro wins to kind of give you reinforcement, just keep going and you'll be fine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I had that happen that six months I was traveling a ton. I felt like I was watching her baby. This was the program. She grew from the back of a napkin. Like I couldn't let anything happen to this. Um, we were facing a lot of visibility from at the Pentagon from different folks, senior leaders. Um, I was getting a divorce. Mm. Um, my grandfather that raised me died, you know, um, just a lot of stuff started happening. And I started getting those pains on the left side. And my daughter was now an undergrad going to be in medical, you know, working towards being in medical school. And she's like, mom, that sounds like a heart attack. You need to go see the cardiologist. So I walk in that office and you're looking around and you know, the majority of people in there are older. Right. And, and here I am, I'm, you know, how old was I, I don't know, 43 or whatever. And so I go in there. I mean, I was 33. I said that wrong anyway. So I go in there. I'm like, wow, I'm in here with a bunch of older folks. This isn't, this, this is not good. Right. And so they did all the tests and it turns out it wasn't heart related. It was strictly, you know, anxiety mm -hmm. and all the things. Right. So that was going on. And then, you know, well, if I could stop you just for a moment, because I think, I think your story is I think it's important for people to know that so often those signs and symptoms are anxiety. And so, but you should always get things checked out. Right. Yes. And also to know that if we can start doing some things to help alleviate anxiety symptoms, then, you know, it might help alleviate other things. But I just wanted, I, th I feel like somebody needs to know that and hear that, that, um, oftentimes more than not, it's anxiety. And you had so many things going on in your life, Mary. I mean, divorce, loss, job stress, and all of those stresses lead to anxiety. And that leads our bodies when we're living that constant stress to, to react. Of course, why wouldn't it? It's, we're not designed to continue on like that. Right. So, you know, our bodies are trying to give us this, Hey, Hey, slow down <laughs> signals, signal. Yes. Something isn't right here. Slow down. So, and, and I was listening to some guests that you had on who I really enjoyed their talks and it was, 
Tam, I, mean, I want to make sure I got the names right. Tammy Barlett, Barlett who was mm-hmm. Air Force pilot. Yeah. Who, yeah. who she said a lot, fail out before you bail out. Like yeah. keep going until you fail. And then um, Chad Foster said, no excuses, keep going. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the army mentality. That's the military mentality is, it is. Go. you know, David Goggins go until you drop. Well, mm-hmm. I had the same mentality. And by God, I dropped, man, I dropped. And I think it's important too. And I said this in my talk recently, a lot of people hear posture syndrome, just work up your courage. It'll be fine. And anxiety, take some medicine, do some deep breathing. It'll be fine. But I don't think anybody, I don't, not anybody, but I don't hear it much where that can all with the burnout. I mean, it can lead to major physical symptoms. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and it's so important to address that stuff early because it it's taken me years. I mean, literally yeah. years to pull out of that. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I think it does for most of us. I mean, think of all the years we've put learning, living that way in that high stress mode and that go, go, go. And I think too, yes, that may be a more militaristic thought approach, right? Where you just push it, push it, push it, push it. And at the same time, there's an emotional intelligence that can go along with that. There are many, many people that are in that field and have figured it out. And yeah, yeah. it does take a long time. But when we understand that there's that balance and you do slow down and you can you can still push yourself, but at the right times, right? When maybe exactly. timing is everything and also to take those moments throughout the day to to go within and do that inner healing that is essential. Absolutely. You know, when you surge and do it, it's fine. When you're living that way every single day, you know, it's like I said, you know, uh, my grandmother used to say my want to and my can do don't match up. You know, you want to do it. Your mind will say, I'm going to do it. And then your body is just hitting the eject button. Like, get me the heck out of here. (laughs) I can't handle it. You know, (laughs) and that's bad because I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I'm a perfectionist. I'm an overachiever. Giving up is not in my vocabulary. So it, it was a big deal for me to finally realize like you can't do what you're doing. And so, you know, when your hair starts falling out and you're a single lady, you know, that's, that takes hair. Okay. It may seem vain to people, I don't really care. You know, it just is what it is. Mary, I don't, I don't, I, I would venture to say that that's probably all of us or or the majority of us. I mean, nobody wants to lose their hair right off it, you know, and it's scary. It's like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Is there something wrong? Yeah, this isn't normal. I, I shouldn't be experiencing this right now. So I had to get drastic with it. I've got a friend who actually you know, if you've heard of microblading, they actually like tattoo on eyebrows. She mm-hmm. actually does scouts, like guys that are going balding or whatever. I had her do mine so it wouldn't be noticeable. You know, mm-hmm. when you're out, you just, yeah. that's not a good look for me. And it's a good look for a lot of people. It's not a good look for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, like, I'm too young for this. And, and if it's something you can control, you feel yeah. out of control, but you're like, I got to be able to do something about this. But I think that if it gives you a sense of freedom and power, you know, like it gets your mojo back, so to speak. Yes, um, yes. I think that that's important. And I don't think there's any shame in people doing what is best for them in that moment um, while they continue to investigate what else can I do 
so that this doesn't continue or doesn't happen again? Or, you know, what, what now? Right. And I think that's a very powerful statement. Okay. This is happening. And, and what now, what, you know, and moving forward, what can we do? So tell me, yeah, tell me more that, so you were experiencing this, these symptoms, these very physical, uh, red lights, these signs that are flashing saying, Hey, something's not right here. So I was in the job with the rocket scientists and, um, our lives were never the same after we learned our 21 year old daughter, Kristen was murdered by her ex boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Wow. Talk about the event that that got me out the door. So I was working for the most toxic boss I've ever had. You know, and I'm a never say quit person. I'm hanging in there and I'm buffering all my people from her. You know, they're like, just we just want to work. We don't want her like messing with us. And I'm like, all right. So I was taking the the brunt of that. And then um I don't want to go deep into this, but I had uh I went on a business trip with somebody that worked for me. We were networking with some other army guys and Something happened on that trip that was, uh, yeah, it it wasn't great. So between that and the boss and the hair falling out and all that, they opened up a, a window to retire early for two weeks. And man, you talk about somebody getting their paperwork together. First day, mm-hmm. I was like, here you go. <laughs> Let me out. Mm-hmm. I got to get out of here. And so my mistake was thinking if I changed my location, and my vocation, that things would change, that it would get easier, that this burnout would stop. But as it turns out, so I retired to be a speaker. I've always wanted to give back to the younger generations because the Army really believes in leadership training. So I Mm. went to the Army Senior Leader School for a year, and they were like, hey, you want to get a master's? We'll pay for it. I'm like, heck yeah, pay me to be a student. Awesome. You know, so I did all that. But a lot of people these days, they don't get leadership training until they are leaders. I was actually at a networking after I got out, I was here in Austin and I went to a networking lunch and I was sitting next to a retired CEO. And I don't know if you've heard of the, the Vistas group, I believe is what it's called, but it's a group of retired CEOs that it, that advise others. And I was mm-hmm. telling what I do. And I said, I, I think people should be trained in leadership far before they get into actual leadership positions. They need to know how to deal with difficult people, how to diffuse diffuse, uh, tense situations, how Mm. to communicate tactfully, like Bob Berg Berg was talking about on your other show, Mm -hmm. you know, all these skills. And he said, I don't believe in that. 
And I why, said, why, what was his opinion on that? He said, I don't think they need it till they become leaders. And I, I had read his bio before I got there. I highly recommend doing that if you're going to a networking function. And I'd read his bio and I said, well, weren't you in the Air Force? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, doesn't the Air Force start training officers as soon as they join the military? Like they give them a little bit of responsibility and they train them how to manage that. And then they move them up and they train them leadership skills for a little bit bigger. And they step them up. And he said, yeah. I said, okay. You know, you don't have to rub it in. He got the point, right? So, you know, I just think today the Gen Z and millennials are, they're getting a little older, but they still want this too, is that leadership training. They want to be developed from the beginning. Like now more than ever, giving people leadership training early, it's going to keep them around. You, you know, you drop the turnover costs that are so high mm. to corporations. So, you know, ha that's what I retired to do to give back and help those guys and gals, you know, early so they can have those remarkable careers they want to have, whether they want to yeah. go up the ladder or if they want to you know, like flourish where they are, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a CEO to be a leader, right? You can be a leader in your household. You know, you can be, you can use leadership skills when you're negotiating for a car. You know, I mean, you use that stuff. Corners. Wherever you yeah. are in life. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm so I, I have your book. I'll share this with the audience. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You heard seven steps. And, and I love this because, you know, communication is, is such a big key for all of us. And yeah. I also want to take a moment. We have a few viewers. If you, if you viewers have any questions or comments, leave them in the comment section below. If you have, you know, thoughts or anything you want to say to Mary as she's here on this platform. Um, but I, I'm very, I'm very curious how you got so inspired. So you've said a few things where you experienced imposter syndrome, where you experienced burnout. And now you're going into, I, I want to share my knowledge and leadership skills to empower a younger generation. Well, and as I was saying earlier, it took me that 15 years to get on that track to move up because mm. part of it was me wanting to, you know, I can, I can prove that I'm worth it. I, you know, I can prove that, that I'm good enough. And they would say, oh, management is for dummies. We don't only people that don't know what they're doing technically go up. And so I kind of soaked that in and believed it, you know? And so I didn't have that mentor early, right? So many people don't have mentors now. And once I got on that track and got a mentor, I had a few mentors um, behind me that were encouraging me and helping me see, you know, what steps I needed to take and give, gave me advice. Once I had that, I mean, it was night and day for my career. And so, seeing that people still aren't really getting that it inspired me to to give back and like to get out now and just get out there and start telling people advising them people need to do what they mm. want to do but giving them at least opening up their world to see you know you, yeah. if, if you do these things you improve your chances of moving up for sure yeah absolutely and so we're going to go into our second commercial. And when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about what it has been. All of the things that you discovered has really led to greater healing. Stay tuned when we get back. 
with key ingredients supported by over 80 clinical trials. The exclusive formulation of the Bella Grace Collagen Elixir is changing lives everywhere. Ingesting collagen peptides alone is not very helpful. This is where most collagen products fall short and where Bella Grace changes everything. Unlike other collagen products, the Bella Grace Collagen Elixir controls the gene switches which activate collagen creation and disables the enzymes that break down the matrix. Bella Grace Collagen Elixir contains Verisol, the world's best and most clinically studied form of collagen. These elite collagen peptides influence the skin's collagen metabolism directly from the inside. Nature's most powerful antioxidant. 6,000 times more potent than vitamin C, Astereal Astaxanthin prevents the activation of gene switches that drive inflammation and activates the gene switch responsible for cellular repair and longevity, forming bridges across cell membranes, protecting them from free radical attack. Amazonian Cat's Claw suppresses the enzymes that degrade collagen and our skin matrix caused by oxidants and inflammation. It simply turns the switch off. The world's most studied collagen, plus activating the genes that make collagen, plus switching off the genes that break down collagen, has resulted in something the world has never experienced. The Bella Grace Collagen Elixir. Start your 30-day Bella Grace Challenge today. You can find out more about Bella Grace in the description below as far as more information about Mary Ottman. And I'm going to bring in your website here. I want to make sure that everybody here knows where to reach you. And Mary has an incredible website and services at www.maryottman.com. And we'll go over that a little bit more here later on. So Mary had a couple, um, this is more of a two-part question because I want to go dive a little deeper into your healing. And then you've talked a little bit about mentors. And we did have a comment that came through. Hillary said, how do you identify your mentors? Did you have male and female? And so, and part of my question too is, was that part of your healing journey? And it was so much, you know, when we start talking about how community and connection is key to, that's something that we all need mm. and, and thrive for. It's part of the importance of this human experience that we need for healing and growth. So I'll let you explain. Yeah, no problem. So in the professional world, um, I actually volunteered for things and that got me noticed by some people. So when the Homeland mm -hmm. Security thing happened, they were like, hey, we need a, a volunteer for the Homeland Security work. We don't have any funding for it, but we just need somebody to step up and do it along with your regular job. So that kept a lot of people from even going for it. Right. But I felt yeah. really called to support that. So because I did that work, I got recognized by some higher folks. And that helped me start to get more 
uh, roles that helped me get visibility in other parts of the organization. So definitely mm -hmm. when you step up and volunteer, people see in your organization that you want to do more. Mm -hmm. um, if you come at it like you're not giving me enough to do, that's not going to that's not going to get it right. That this is where that be, having tactful communication is the deal. You know, if you get a sense of what your your boss's goals are, you know, how I'm doing this right here and I've got some extra time. Are, are there other things you've got going on that I can help you with? If they mm -hmm. see that you want to do more, then then you get that recognition. And then the more you do, people start to notice you. And then, you know, uh, so one thing I did was I wanted to get an MBA. And so I was still in the 15 year organization. Right. And they're like, uh, technical people don't go to business school. That's not a thing. And I was like, well, I still want to do it. So then we got this new, she was my boss's boss's boss. And she came out and she said, uh, I value education. If you want to go get education, then then you need to go for it. Well, at my bottom line, they were like, "Uh, uh, you're an engineer, honey. No. And so I, I sat down and wrote a one page formal letter on army letterhead with the eagle. And it was all <laughs> I wrote her a letter and I gave her all the reasons it would benefit the warfighter if I got an MBA. And I got approval for that in a day. And they paid mm -hmm. 40 grand to send me to MBA school. And so that was huge. Now, not everybody's going to have that chance, but it, it's if you are like, hey, I really want to do more and I'm doing my regular job, but I can be so much I can do so much more for the organization and I can help meet your goals. I always tie it to their goals. Um, yeah. And you want to align your goals for yourself with their goals. Right. I, yeah. I would never want to work out of alignment because you're going to be miserable. Right. So. But and, and then along the way, I found other, you know, I had male and female um, and they just I just resonated with the way they did things. You know, you want mentors that you admire. Um, and when you have your mentor sessions, go prepared, like take your questions. And this is the biggest one. When they give you ideas for things to do, you got to do them. Otherwise, at the next meeting, they're going to say, did you do I gave you like I, I gave up an hour of my valuable time and gave mm -hmm. you some advice. Did you did you take action? And if you didn't and you start giving excuses, well, I was busy and I was doing all these things. They're going to be like, OK, I'm busy and no more hours out of my schedule for you. Right. So you got to honor their time and not that you wouldn't. But I'm just telling you, that's kind of the expectation. So. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that answered. Find people that you admire the way they do things. And then a lot of higher level people like to nurture the younger folks and not even like young, young folks. You know, I was older when I started doing that. I was in my 30s. So don't let yeah. you know, you're older. Don't let that stop you either. You know, just align yourself with people that you admire their work and, you know, go out on a limb and ask them. And if they say no, hey. Listen, I was a country singer songwriter in a previous life. You get used to no's, you knock on a hundred doors, you get 99 no's. No isn't personal. It's just, <laughs> you know, so just yeah. Somebody else and keep going. Well, and I love how you tied in, you know, you, you've mentioned Bob Berg with that tact, right? That how important that is. And, you know, if you don't ask, then you'll never know. And, yep. um, 
you know, you, you also mentioned a little bit about Chatty Foster and same thing with him. I mean, he was able to excel and do the same thing that you did and get approval for education, higher education, because he asked and, you know, you, you both had this essence of tactful communication, asking the right people. And also when it comes to mentors, really valuing their time and, and showing them that, that you recognize that and you're grateful for that. Absolutely. And, you know, once I became a higher level leader, here's a story. Listen. So I went to a mentoring event and we had a bunch of people there. And so they would be, the mentees would sit at a table and we'd go table to table and visit everybody. One lady, this is what not to do. One lady was sitting there. She's a nice, super nice older lady. And she said, I think there's ageism happening in my organization because I keep trying to get promoted to executive assistant and they keep turning me down. And I think it's just because I'm older. I think it's ageism. She was wearing a sweatsuit. Now, do I want people coming in to my executive office, seeing an executive assistant wearing a sweatsuit? That would be a no. You know, so if you want to move up, I always say they got to see you there before they'll put you there. You got to <laughs> you got to be dressing the part. You got to be acting yeah. the part. That's why I think people need leadership training earlier. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to get a mentor like you got to show up looking like you want to move to the next level. So that's yeah. I always give people that advice because I it was just jaw dropping to me. Like, what? Really? OK. So. Yeah, that isn't you're you're absolutely right. And um, it shows, you know, how how you show up is is how it's going to, you know, how you're going to perform and yes. people see that. And so I want to go a little bit into what were the, some of the things that really helped you? I mean, you were on this horrible downward spiral in your health and what were some of the things that really started getting you to think differently, act differently? What are the action steps you took to help get out of that rut? And you did mention, I want to really highlight this too. You said, you know, just because I left that corporate world, uh, I continued to show up the same way that I was because again, like we've said, that's really, really hard to get out of that continuous years and years and years, a lifetime of doing the same things over and over and over. So when you think that moving or changing careers is going to be the fix, there's more to it than that. Absolutely. You know, cause a lot of people today, uh, um, I hear they want to leave corporate and start their own business. So I think it's mm -hmm. important to bring that up because it is, my mindset moved with me. My workaholism, my perfectionism yeah. moved with me. And here's the thing. When you work a regular job and you suck, the check still shows up every two weeks. <laughs> when you're a small yeah. business owner and you suck, you don't get money. You don't get paid. Yeah. So, you know, it's and I'd always heard entrepreneurs work hard. And I'm like, well, dang, I'm over here working hard. I, I, hey, no problem. I'll show up. But when you've got that extra risk factor on top of that, it's very different. And I did not realize I, I got to to this side of the fence and went, oh, my gosh, I was so naive. That was so stupid. I can't believe I even thought that. Right. But um, it's true. So I bring my mindset over to this side 
and things, crazy things happened. Like, you know, that last corporate check that's got all your leaving, you know, that, that money they're going to give you for all your hours and all that. It didn't show up for six months. And then my bank account got hacked, like all this extra mm. financial stress got added. And then I had a speaker business coach and they were like, well, what, you're going to get up and speak. And, and then what's the next step? Where, what are you going to offer them after that? You got to, you got to offer them another product. Right. Like, what's your ask? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> but I just want to speak. I don't, what do you mean? And there's, they said, well, what about coaching? That's what most people offer. And I'm like, I mean, I'll try it. So I didn't want to start my own necessarily. So I went and coached for three other, a couple of them were uh, multi seven figure coaches. So I was coaching their clients for them and some entrepreneurs, professionals, you know, a good mix. And it was pretty wild imposter syndrome across the board. Because mm, it's brand new. You're entering this totally new thing. I mean, even though you're good and you're skilled at, at things, you're knowledgeable, right? That's what you want to speak on. That's yeah. how you want to show up because I know this very well. But there's all of the other aspects of it, all of the other, the business side of it where, you know, company, corporate, whatever was already doing that for you. Yes. You didn't have to know all of the different hats that were worn, Ugh. you know, and yes. the marketing and, oh my gosh, I have to market myself. Wait I a have minute. I to learn how to make Instagram reels and yeah. I got to learn how to website update all the thing. I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, it's actually fun. I'm a software engineer, so I like to do it, but you can't do it all. Like you don't have, you got right. to make money behind the scenes, back in stuff <laughs> does not make you money. Right. Mm -hmm. So. So I'm that program manager, you know, mindset. So I had planned A, B, C, D, and E. All the money wasn't coming in. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I even started, I don't actually know any other leadership speakers who've done this. Maybe there are, and I just don't know about it. But I actually, instead of getting a big girl job to fill in the gap, I decided to go undercover boss. And so I started working where the younger generation was working kind of observing, like, how do you, how do you encourage and inspire Gen Z and millennials if, if you've never been down there with them on that level and, and mm -hmm. hearing their concerns and hearing what they're doing? You know, you can read mm -hmm. a, a report of a study that was done about how, how they think. It's not the same as yeah. the day-to-day -day grind. So I did lots of different things. Um, yeah. Clint Pulver did that. That that's did. all about, oh yeah, he's oh, wow. got that was all where he came from. He's, he did the undercover uh, millennial, I believe, is awesome. his title. So, yeah, you can look him up, but he did I essentially will. the same thing. Um, and all of the findings that you learn, right? You know, just like yes. you, you said, you know, how am I supposed to know if I don't, you know, get boots it on the ground crazy. and I meet them at their level? You know, I'm on the front line and I'm hearing the voices that are being spoken that, that, you know, what's really being said, how they really feel, what they're experiencing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's, there were some good leaders. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of bad leadership and they spot because it. Because they had, they haven't been taught. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. They don't know all the things people are getting promoted up through the ranks and, and they think because I said, so leadership styles work and they do not work just because I said so go do this. And people nowadays, they just leave. They don't even come to you and complain. They're just out the door. They're just, not yeah, that's, that's the problem. The miscommunication. Yep. And, 
And so I've actually talked to, I've got former bosses and colleagues in like the defense industry and they're finding millennials generally want flexibility. Hey, mm -hmm. I wanted that too. When I got out and got my own business, I, I re resonate with that. And then they're finding Gen Z really wants to work and be mentored. Like they've kind of floundered during this COVID phase where they're at home going, but I need to, I need a mentor. I need, it's very difficult to get mentors if you're not networking. In the Army, the major business was done after work at the bar. That's just where it happened. So if you yeah. weren't there, you know, so aviators drink a lot. I had to come up with nothing wrong. That's their deal, right? You do what you do. I couldn't, I couldn't hang with them. It's just, I can't, I just couldn't do it. So I had a strategy with the bartender, like every other drink, get me a, you know, uh, the sparkling water with a shot of crayon and a lot, like you figure it out, how to network mm -hmm. and hang in. But um, yeah, so hanging out with the Gen Z's, the they want to work. They want mentors. They want to make money. They want to move. They've got focus and direction and flexibility is fine. Focus, direction, working is fine. You know, I'm in Austin and you ask a Gen Z what they're doing. Most of them have second jobs. Like they're not, you, you can't believe all the hype you hear in the media. Gen Z, they just, you know, are out here flighty and just not working. I have not met the flighty ones. You know, of course, I haven't met everybody, right? It's a, you know, small sample, but everybody I'm meeting is hustling out here. So, you know, that's, if you want to move up. So was it, was it desire and passion to, to help others to that servitude aspect of you that really helped, you know, push you further into a greater direction? Yeah, it's uh it actually, it did push me in a greater direction. Definitely. Um, I, the burnout got even worse because now I was the plan A, B, C, D, and E all together. So it really got worse. And so the event that happened that really, I had a couple of events. The, I had one, this is really bad. This could be TMI. <laughs> I had one speaking event. It was virtual during COVID actually. And I had to, I was having major, major digestive issues from the, the uh, burnout. And I actually, this is so embarrassing, but I want people to know, like, if you don't fix it, it can get so bad. I actually had to sit on a puppy pad to give that presentation. So you're not getting on airplanes to go speak. You're not speaking for an hour anywhere. You I couldn't leave the house for more than an hour. So that was really just kind of a crushing blow. I've now left the army to speak and I physically can't do it. Mm. By the way, that all got cleared up. So it's all but through all the things that I did, that's all gone now. But it was pretty crushing. And then during COVID, I thought I got COVID and thank goodness for telemedicine. Right. I, I had a talk. Uh, with a doctor. And she's like, uh, do you think you have depression? I said, no, I don't have depression. Well, I live with my best friend. She's my roommate. And I told her what I said and her eyes got like this big and she didn't say anything, but she sent me a text and she said, Mary, these are all the things I've noticed. You're depressed. And I mean, it was, I mean, girl, I was scrolling <laughs> by the way, head. you're depressed. I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Look at all the symptoms. And I was like, I can't argue with not one of these. And so that was kind of my wake up call that I had to do something. So I started doing a little bit here, a little bit there. And then we had this ice storm. And I'm in the middle of this major depression. 
everybody I knew went to hotels so they could have power. And I couldn't even, the thought of getting out of bed is like, when you're major depressed is like major, like it's too much. It's overwhelming. And so I had this big moment. I'll never forget it. I was, it was the middle of the night. It was 20 degrees. I had the candle burning. So all the smoke's in the room, right? And then I, I see my breath. I'm huddled under every blanket I own with my little five pound poodle, Dexter, named after the good guy serial killer, just saying. And then I'm laying there and I'm like, it felt like the total rock bottom. Like I'm in the middle of this major weather catastrophe. No water. I'm having to go outside and get snow to put in the back of the toilet to flush the toilet. Like it was felt like rock bottom. And I was just laying there watching my breath. And it was like in the back of my reptilian brain, I just remember thinking, I can do hard things. I can mm -hmm. do hard things because I've done a lot of hard things. Right. And it was like that was the switch for me. And so when you talk about what pulled me out of it, the first thing, and actually in the book, Five Practices of Resilient People, I've been doing a lot of research on resiliency, and it's Dr. Mm. Taryn Sletchkull, something like that. Yeah. She mentions vulnerability. Well, that was what I did with my roommate. I was open to that feedback. I was vulnerable instead of going, no, I got this. Like I always used to, I got, I got this under control. I, I took that in and was, instead of getting defensive about it, it's like, this is right. This is right. Because when you're in the middle of it, it's very difficult to yeah. figure out how deep you're in this, right? Yeah. Have you re have you uh, researched Brene Brown's work on vulnerability? Yes, yeah. I have. Done extensive work. A thousand percent. And it's just, it's huge. And it's that fine line of, if you want to be a leader, like you can't go ask permission for everything. Like you got to have that take charge side, but then you got to mm -hmm. know when you need help. When, you know, so. I was just down there just like, and I remember like thinking off to the side, looking at the way I was thinking, going, this is so not you. What is happening? This is, what mm. are you right now? This, you're not even living your own life. What Whose life are you living? Oh yeah. I think that when we have that realization, it's a huge turning point, you know, like this isn't me and I don't, I don't want this to be me. Oh my gosh, no. Like the, it's envisioning yourself, I've never been one to just lay in a huddle and just take what comes. Like, you're just like, no, I can do hard things. And at first, it wasn't a, no, I can do hard things. It was like this little bitty whisper in the middle mm -hmm. of a desperate situation. I can do hard things. I can do hard things. And so I started working on that. You know, um, I started researching. And for some reason, I started looking at Tony Horton and he was okay. the P90X guy. Right. But he doesn't do that anymore. He had this major health event where he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't walk. He got really shriveled up. His muscles went away and he figured all that out. And he was talking about depression. He said, exercise will change your body chemistry. It will help. And, that, you know, I'd always thought exercise, exercise, you know, and I thought, wait a minute. He went through all this changing your body chemistry. This is chemical, right? This depression yeah. thing. Maybe there's something to this. So I found a program that really worked for me that you could do at home. And I ended up losing 30 pounds. So, you know, I did the exercise thing. And then you start doing some more research and like yeah. a lot of the big CEO guys believe in meditation. I'm like, okay, so yeah. I, believe in it. I would always like, listen, 
I would try to read a book and just start with the front jacket cover and fall asleep before I finish reading it. Like <laughs> exhausted, right? You can Maybe it's the time of day, Mary, that you're reading your books. No, it was daytime. It was daytime. <laughs> it was daytime. Maybe I'm exhausted. Maybe that's it. So I folded in the sleep, right? And then I worked on meditation. At first, I couldn't get my mind to be quiet. And I'm, I still work on that. It's still not perfect, right? But right. better. And when I do it, I feel better for sure. So starting to fold in these self-care practices, you know, wellness-driven life. There's a reason people talk about that stuff. I can definitely tell when I do that. Mm -hmm. And then I found on YouTube, they have these things called binaural beat. Um they're like really long videos where they're just playing. It's basically they're playing sounds in both ears. If you've yeah. got headsets on and I just would fall asleep to that and just I'd be hours and hours and hours. And I'm telling you, if you'd have told me before that would have helped, I'd have been like, okay, whatever. But it, I mean, it did. <laughs> so stacking these little layers of, of mindfulness, wellness practices together. I mean, it really helped. And of course I went and got, professional help for the depression too, right? I'm highly, I mean, I can't endorse that enough. You got to get the right one, the right person to help you. But I definitely looked out in that department. And then so prioritizing sleep, you know, the guided meditations, mm -hmm. being open to help. Um, that's a big one. I was always very independent. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Stopped. You know, that community piece, connection piece. Yeah, a thousand percent. And and speaking of that, I had been in a group run by Suzanne Hanna and she does shadow work is, is the stuff she calls it. She is a therapist, but it wasn't a therapy group, but she was doing shadow work. And basically she helps you deal with stuff that happened in your past. Yeah, it's recognizing and, a darker side, the sides that we never want to go to. Nobody wants to go into those shadows, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. She she has a quote. It's basically like, if we don't deal with the things, we if we don't address the things, oh my gosh, I got it written here. Um, well, shoot. Basically, it'll be your undoing if you don't address the things that are, are hiding in the shadows, right? Well, I think it's important to recognize our past and and be okay with it. Because I think that when you're not okay with it, then that's where there's complications. I have yeah. a, a comment that came in. Manly said, after the realization of burnout, what's next? Well, and that's that's what all these practices were adding up to. So coming yeah. out of the health effects from the burnout, it ended up in depression. It ended up in the all the digestive problems, the hair falling out. The you know, I ended up with food allergies I'd never had before. I had wow, almond yeah. butter like for years and all of a sudden I couldn't eat almond, you know, nuts, all the things. So it's kind of crazy how your body just goes haywire. Right. It so does. by holding. I started with all the the wellness things. And then at that point, my brain started perking up enough. I reignited with that passion of my mission because now mm -hmm. the health stuff was better. So now I could think now I could think about speaking again because I could, you know, get out of the yeah. house and do regular things. Right. And so I started listening. Actually, another practice. I started listening to YouTube videos. Bob Proctor was a big one. He was in the secret. Love him. And and yeah. a big tenet of his work is your paradigms is what he mm -hmm. calls it. And it's basically your programming from when you were a kid. And so 
the way I like to explain that is, you know, when things happen when you're a kid, you you absorbed it with your little kid brain and it you can't really make sense of it, right? You yeah. tie it to strange well, things. Well, it's a totally different perception, right? Because our brains are developed in such a way then than they yeah. are as an adult. So it's impossible to, you know, be able to rationalize and understand an event that happened. And so, yeah, our child brain is like, okay, this happened and this is how I understand it. And, and it affects us for so long until we come back as an adult and we address that. We go back to our child. And what would you tell that child at that time? You know, what message would you give them? If you like relive that experience just for a moment and you you come back to your adult brain and you're like, oh, I, I get it. I see why I viewed and felt this way based yeah. on the knowledge that I knew then. Yes. And now wow. that I have the knowledge now, I you know, I can, I can say, okay, and be okay with that and bless it and release, you know, or just acknowledge. I think that's one of, one of my favorite ways to look at things is like, how would you, what would you say to that child now? I would actually, first of all, give that child a hug because that can yeah. be a hug. And then, you know, basically you're awesome. All this stuff has nothing to do with you and you're going to be fine. You know? Just do yeah. you don't take this on as anything's wrong with you. Just you're awesome. Keep going. I love that. Um, the next we have two more comments. If you had to summarize a cure for burnout, what steps would you recommend to others? So I think the first step on burnout is to real is to kind of like do some self-reflection. What's yeah. causing it? Is it is it your boss expecting you to work 70 hours a week and you're doing it? And you're burning out, you know, sometimes we do it by ourselves, which was my case. Like I drove myself harder than anybody else could have. Right. Or is your boss expecting that? And that's not matching up. Sometimes some people can deal with it and thrive and that's great, you know, but others of us, it burns out our body quicker than others. Right. So realizing, is it your environment at work? Like realize what's causing it. Sometimes you know, if you're not doing it to yourself, if it's the environment you're in, then changing your environment can definitely help, right? Mm. If you're doing it to yourself. You've got to start, like in my case, I moved locations and vocations and it was still happening and it was getting right. worse. Right. So like, what am I doing? I realized by having plan A, B, C, D, and E of, of what, how I was going to work, I was going to coach, I was going to speak, I was going to do undercover, bot, I was going to do all the things but you only have so much energy. So you got to burn out, especially, you know, I was getting three to four hours of sleep. I started prioritizing. I'm not going to lie. I don't get eight. I started prioritizing five or six. And then I figured out I actually feel great if I get five and a half up. So literally people talk about sleep and you're like, whatever with the sleep. Okay. I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's what I used to say. It's huge. We are organic human things and we got it there's basics we have to have <laughs> right we gotta have sleep right so there's easy way to start is it where you are is it your boss's expectations making you work that hard is it because you're someplace that doesn't align with your values and it's just absolutely wearing you out to to work there some people wouldn't thrive in an army environment because they don't believe in war so if you're there it's going to absolutely demoralize you to be there i was Fine. I was great working there, right? I want to support our guy in the trenches. 
but some people wouldn't. So do you align with where you work? So um, that's, a, that's a powerful statement. Do you do you align? You know, does this feel right? Does this bring me joy? Yeah. Um, you've definitely come so far, Mary. You've done all of these things to really dive deeper and understand and all of the research. I think that that could it's first of all, it's always going to be continuous. That's you know, true. there's there's not going to be a point where you know, and unless we're extra extraordinary beings majorly, right? Where it's very, very few and far between <laughs> where people have ascended to that level of of mastery, right? Where they they have really figured it out. And it takes most of us, the majority of us, a consistency. It's a consistent learning, exploring, understanding, and growing. And so You've done so many wonderful things. I want to make sure that everybody, again, knows how to reach you. Her Mary's website is www.maryottman.com. That's M-A-R-Y-O-T-T-M-A-N.com. Also, the information is going to be in the descriptions below. It looks like I had one more comment come in. Hillary asks, do you think there is a higher probability of burnout when you aren't doing things that align with your values? That's a great question. I think if, you're, if your circumstances are critical, if you don't have that job, are you going to go bankrupt? Are your kids not going to go to school? Are you going to you know, starve? You know, the more you have to have that job, the more chance you're, you're going to have burnout because you, don't, you feel trapped, right? You don't feel like you can leave. Um, I think there's definitely, if you're in a place that doesn't align, there's just some friction, right? The whole time. Mm -hmm. If you're working for a toxic boss, Oh Lord, I, I had that problem. I mean, you're just, you're just pummeled. You've only got so much energy, right? And if it's draining off you, then there's a higher probability you're going to have that burnout. That's, that's what I feel, you know, how I feel for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And so Thank you so, so much. What else? Is there anything else that you want to leave with the audience or what's next for Mary? Well, what's next for me is I'm just really enjoying speaking. I just did the, I did an event in Fort Worth, um, Thought Leader Talks, and I just did a TEDx talk and I'm just enjoying, you know, COVID's opening up the speaking events and oh my gosh. And, and um, you know, in terms of what to leave people with, I think it's important no matter what's happened to you, where you've come from, you know, people that have done you wrong, you you feel trapped in what you're doing and mm. you, you want to get out. Just remember you are enough. You are enough. And you just keep going and keep analyzing. Well, how can I move out of this and get in alignment with myself? You are totally worth it. And that's my mission is to support people to do that. That's a beautiful mission. Thank you so much for being on the Wellness Driven Life Show. I want to thank you very, very much. My I appreciate pleasure. you having me on so much. Thank you. Of course, of course, of course. It was it was fun to meet you when you were on stage. You did a really great job. I appreciated the opportunity to get to align with you and have you here and share your experiences. Thank you for being vulnerable yourself and opening up to share that with the audience. And I think that that's part of how we 
you know, we continue to grow is by aligning with others and feeling like we come there too. We've been there too. We feel this. So I want to say to everyone, thank you so much for being on the show and until tomorrow, goodbye for now.